So I want to begin by saying beautiful. I want to say beautiful because I feel this morning something beautiful has happened. As you were given when you came in a card to prayer, you might have think, but actually as you prayed with those words, I felt the body was worshipping. As Tim came and shared, and as we've worshipped this morning, I feel that we've lived as a body. Now, in preaching, I want you to forget the sermon this morning. I'm reading a book at the moment by Tim Keller on preaching, and he starts off by saying that the ministry of the word is so much more than preaching. And in this season after Easter, where we think perhaps of the Emmaus Road, where um, <clears throat> the disciples recognized Jesus as he broke the bread, there is a sense in which, as the church of God breaks bread together, or as we break open the word of God, as we let it permeate us and speak to us and touch us, not through a sermon, but as we wrestle with it in our groups, in our friendships, in our church councils, then we recognize Jesus in our midst. That's the ministry of the word. It isn't about a preacher. It isn't about the one theologically trained gift as that might be occasionally to the church. It is about the church being formed as all God's people wrestle with holy scripture and see in it the voice of God asking us to be the kids of the kingdom. That's all it's about. So if we can have my first slide. In our schools, children and parents, even if they don't do this in your kids' school at the moment, will have been used to the idea of show and tell. Where a kid is invited to bring along something they've seen or done or been to and explain what it means to them, to show and tell. And I reckon that's a pretty good way of describing evangelism. It has two sides to it. We must show and we must tell. We must show Jesus in our lives. And as we do so, we earn the right to tell who Jesus is and what he can mean to others. So as we come to our fifth talk in the series, Natural Evangelism, and today, in terms of show and tell, we're looking at demonstrating the good news of God's love in Jesus. So this is not about a sermon. This is not about whether or not you're in a small group that's doing natural evangelism. This is about a whole church wrestling with the word of God, delighting in the fact that God calls each of us to play our parts so that we might show and tell the love of Jesus. Last week, move my slide on, sorry. Last week, Alan and Gillian uh, used a diagram a bit like this to help us understand how in sharing our faith, relationally, three stories overlap. Each one of them is important. There is, of course, the gospel itself, God's story. There is my story of what God has done and is doing in my life as a Christian. But really importantly, I said the week before and they said last week, there's the person's story with whom we're sharing our faith. Their life 
is important. Their story is important. This is my favourite way of understanding. It just happens to be in that book. It's my favourite way of understanding what evangelism is. It's not simply communicating words about God and his story. It's about the gospel embodied in a life. My life. Demonstrated and spoken of. And it's something that I then share with integrity as I honour another person, embrace their story, where they're at, what's happening for them. And somehow God's story and my story and their story begin to mingle and make a difference. Evangelism is then the overlap of those three stories and relationship is vital to all three. And I am sensing at this stage of my ministry and in our life as a church that friendship and relationship needs to become far more important. It's no good buying a package or having a theory. We need to embody in our relationships what we stand for. You in the body need to be a model, a beautiful model one to another of what being a kingdom kid is all about. No theory, no books, no Tim Keller, no Alistair McGrath, none of that. Just people embodying in relationship what it is to live for God. So we can scrap our words, our strap lines and our theories and just embody and live out before one another. Kingdom living. This week we are therefore focusing on putting flesh on the words that we share. The good news is not words alone, but actions. So without wanting anyone to feel remotely guilty, I'm just wondering rhetorically if any of you have done any showing and telling this week. If you have intentionally prayed, as I suggested two weeks ago, that God would somehow open opportunities that never happened for you, they only happened to other people, major Christians who seem to tell everybody about Jesus, start praying. Start praying that God would open the door for you to speak for Christ. What if that's happened and shown his love in action? Jesus said this was kind of important. And in this particular passage of scripture, this is how he put it. It's worth reading again. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you before the creation of the world. And I want you to imagine that that inheritance is the people whose lives we have touched through the living and the sharing of the gospel. For I was hungry, starving hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes. And you, you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, 
When did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in a prison? When did I go and visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these my brothers and sisters... Your inheritance. You did it for me. Whatever that passage means, it is clear that as Christians, we are meant to be both visible and audible ambassadors of the good news of God's love. And we're to do so in particular among those who are hungry and are outsiders. Donkeys years ago, now probably 40 years ago, Bishop David Shepherd wrote a book, Bias to the Poor. People didn't like the title because he actually said that when I read the message of the kingdom, Jesus seems to have a preference for those who are without. And somebody said, surely that's imbalanced. Jesus said it. Jesus seems to be on the side of those who are on the outside. And that's why a church needs to prioritise, says Archbishop William Temple, for those who are not yet its members. I wonder if you have a sense as a church, as I do at the moment, as to how and through whom God might be speaking to us. An individual, through whom God might be speaking to us about what it is to reach those on the outside and the edge. Not through talks, but through people who come across our paths. People who walk in through our doors, be it through a place of welcome or a Sunday night or wherever. And where as a church, God is providing us with the very fuel of the kingdom, the inheritance of the kingdom, the people who need to be loved and who are on the outside. All of this, says Jesus in Matthew 25, is a gospel issue. Someone pretty famous said these words. At the end of our lives, we will not be judged by how many diplomas we have received, how much money we have made, or how many great things we have done. We will be judged by, I was hungry and you gave me to eat. I was naked and you clothed me. I was homeless, and you took me in. When Jesus taught the story of the Good Samaritan, he posed a question. Who is my neighbor? And however they answered it then, it comes to each succeeding generation with a slightly different cultural twist. And today he poses the same question as we think about sharing our faith in word and deed as a church. Our neighbour might literally be the person next door. How do you show and tell to the person next door? Our neighbour might be someone we meet up with or just glance at in Costa. Our our neighbour might be the seller of the big issue. Our neighbour may be rich in wealth and poor in spirit. Our neighbour might be someone at work 
Now this week I get to do a normal job, very, very occasionally through a consultancy I run, I do a day's work elsewhere. So I'm going to Yorkshire this week. Good old Yorkshire. Who will be my neighbour in Yorkshire on Thursday? And as I try and answer Jesus' question about who is my neighbour, I am bound to think about what that might mean in terms of show and tell. Compassion and forgiveness are not words, but the outworking of the good news of God's love. And sometimes those actions need to be explained. Social action, social engagement, ministries of compassion are visual aids of God's love. They are windows into God for some people. Some years ago, quite early on in my ministry here, we did a sermon series called The Provocative Church. It was on a book by that title by Graham Tomlin, who now for his sins has become the Bishop of Kensington in London. And Graham says this, Today people may not be looking immediately for forgiveness, but they may be able to relate to the idea uh, they may not be able to relate to the idea that they are sinners but they are often seeking and hungry to live a life that is better and less superficial than what they've got right now the question is then do they find among the christians that they see life lived in a discernibly different way kingdom kids is there anything about us that creates in APC and beyond, more importantly, a healthy curiosity? Or are we just peculiar? We should be creating curiosity. Are we as a church provocative? Provocative in terms of living by values and behaviours which overturn selfish ways and general norms. And this isn't a little invitation for any of us to feel guilty, but to examine a whole way of living and thinking. Basically, Provocative Church asked this question, do we awaken a desire for God in the lives of other people? You see, as Christians, we're meant to be signposts of another kingdom. Crucial to our witness in our living under the kingdom of God is a new lifestyle. The church is to be a sign of that kingdom. We are meant to be waymarkers of the kingdom, tender and generous, seekers of justice and of finding new ways of living together in God's world. There's something of Tim's prayer in that. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. The hallowing of God's name is about being seekers of a kingdom which is about justice and a new ways of living together in God's world. In Jesus himself, we have both a lifestyle and a messenger of the kingdom and his friends must be the same. And this is not remotely the same as being a do-gooder. We are with Christ agents of the kingdom. We have a different vision for life, a big picture of God's longing for the whole of creation to flourish. And that means that ordinary Christians cannot leave matters of social justice, compassion, or even evangelism to experts 
It's something we're all involved in. That's what natural evangelism is all about. It's not a package. You don't have to be good with words. You just have to show and tell. And we cannot be authentic disciples of Jesus if we fail to show the compassion of Jesus. And for some of us, the idea of ministries of compassion and social justice and being street pastors will be especially important and significant in the way we live out our Christian vocation. But it's not for a special few. Graham Tomlin goes on to say this, if we can simply be what we are called to be as a church, a community, a relational community, characterized by kindness, we simply won't be able to help being evangelistic. One will flow to the other. We are called, folks, as a healthy church, to be a friendly neighborhood godsend. Church health, in terms of us becoming authentic disciples, must be considered a much higher priority than just growing in numbers. Wouldn't you like the place to be bursting at the seams? But it matters more that we're healthy, we're authentic, and we're embodying the life of the gospel. And says Graham Tomlin in his book, when you do that and do it that way round, then the church will grow. So as people of the kingdom, those living under God's reign, our lives should be a mix of show and tell. And without that, we will not be healthy or fully alive as followers of Jesus. This is not a call for everyone to be an evangelist, but it is a call for everyone to be involved in show and tell, to be involved in the ministries of compassion and relational living out the Christian gospel, whereby we also are willing to speak the name of Jesus. Our growth as a church will involve a very different kind of measurement. It's a matter of how we relate to those who are currently not known, not interested in Jesus at all. That is our future. And just as Jesus explained the significance of his actions with words, so we must explain why we live the way we do. And in so doing, it will become a provocative kingdom life. Without actions, no one listens. And without words, no one understands. All of this makes me thoughtful about what really matters to us as a church. But my questions today relate to every church, not APC. If we as Christians get upset if worship or refreshments aren't up to scratch, but do nothing about a lack of evangelism or community ministry, what does that say about being a healthy church? What do we moan about? Who's begging us to do more and more outreach and worry less about crumbs on the carpet? If we run a great social event but do nothing to change the plight of the poor, what does that say about being a healthy church? If we have the best Bible teaching and have wonderful fellowship in expanding small groups but never talk about Jesus to our friends. What does that say about being a healthy church? 
And Jesus addressed that question, do you know, in amazing words we heard earlier. And just in case they've slipped away, let me read them again. Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you before the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. And then the righteous, the people of God, were puzzled. Because this presented them with a challenge. Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? And the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for any of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Sometimes the most important things we say come from the things we do with and for other people. It may involve care for a struggling friend. It may involve kindness to a stranger. It may involve election coming up, political campaigning for the marginalized and the powerless. And whether our faith sharing involves words, actions or both, Perhaps we need to be reminded that as agents of the kingdom, we are not working for God, we are working with God. Bring another slide on, thank you. Mother Teresa, who said this of her work in Calcutta, we try to pray through or work by doing it with Jesus and for Jesus. With Jesus. That helps us to put our whole heart and soul into doing it. The dying, the crippled, the mentally ill, the unwanted, the unloved. They are Jesus in disguise. I'll tell you a bit about it later on. But a week today we will join in a global prayer initiative called Thy Kingdom Come. It will run in our parish with a number of opportunities to pray together. It was the idea initially and he thought it would be a small little thing of Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury. It links directly the ministry of prayer with the ministry of sharing the good news of Jesus in word and action. You might want to call it natural evangelism. Listen to Justin as he explains how prayer and sharing's one faith are linked. There's a lot about this job that stops you getting too self-important. I remember being at some event. One of my colleagues heard someone in the crowd whisper, isn't that the Archbishop of Canterbury over there? And the person's friend hissed back, nah, too short. When I meet Jesus Christ at the judgment, I know one thing. He isn't going to care what size of Archbishop I was, or I think whether I was an Archbishop. What matters is that I loved him and sought to follow him, and above all, that I trusted in him alone for my life and my future. Because the most important thing I've ever done is to become a follower of Jesus. I took my first steps with him about 42 years ago. Over those years, he's been a faithful friend, a sovereign Lord, compassionate, forgiving, my ever-present saviour. 
everything in my life, the heart and foundation of all I am. Through the hardest and most painful times and in the best and most joyful times of my life, Jesus has walked alongside me. He's never left, even when I've wanted him to. When I felt ready to give up hope, he picked me up, and it's his love that has healed me and strengthened me. Following Jesus has been the core point of my life, and that's one reason I want everyone to hear his voice calling to them and to learn what it is to find his love, his call, his direction, his purpose. That's why I'm pledging to pray for more people to know the life-transforming love of Jesus Christ. And that's why I'm asking you, along with every Christian community around the world, to join me in pledging to pray as part of Thy Kingdom Come. Lord, the words are over. There's nothing left to say except to show and to tell. Send your Holy Spirit that we might be the people who embody, as the kids of the kingdom, what it is to belong to Jesus. That others would not only be curious, but that they would be saved. And do that work in us, whatever's necessary, to make us a living, provocative demonstration of a kingdom of beauty, transformation, and life.